welcome everybody. Uh, good to see you. And uh, so good to be to, together with you. Merry Christmas. You guys excited about uh, Christmas coming up? Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, anybody have, uh, still have Christmas shopping to do? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, quite a few of you. My hand's up uh, too. Hey, uh, speaking of shopping, I got a question for you to get us thinking in a uh, direction. Um, show of hands on this. How many of you would say that you enjoy garage sales, yard sales, you know, secondhand stores? Uh, how many of you? Raise them up. Raise them up. Be proud. Raise them high. Okay. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, you know, you never know, kind of hidden treasure, you know, you might find under a stack of records, under a pile of used Tupperware, right? Now, I got to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I'm not really, you know, crazy about uh, those kinds of sales. Uh, how many of you are like me, you know, you're not really crazy about, you know, garage sales, yard sales? Yeah, okay, yeah, it's almost about 50-50, you know, several of you, not too crazy uh, about those kinds of uh, uh, sales. But uh, <clears throat> what I'm about to tell you might change your mind. Uh, recently, a school teacher from uh, Charleston, South Carolina, tried to sell this painting here at a uh, garage sale. Nobody would buy it. And uh, he's going to throw it away, but before he threw it away, he decided on a whim to get this thing appraised, and he discovers that this, this painting is actually, it's called Sunflower. It's by a famous Indian artist, and uh, he sells this painting for $105,000. Yeah, he almost threw it away. Or how about this one? A guy in New York State, he, he buys this bowl here at a uh, yard sale for $3, puts it on his mantle above his fireplace. It sits there for a few years until finally he uh, takes it to an expert and he discovers this bowl dates back over a thousand years to northern China. And uh, he sells, they sell this bowl at an auction in London for $2.25 million. Yeah, and if that story doesn't make you want to go treasure hunting, treasure hunting, maybe this one uh, will. In 2010, a guy named Rudy Giaro, he bought some old photos at a uh, sale because he liked the look of them. And uh, one of them, this one here, turned out to be a picture of Billy the Kid from 1878. And this, they estimate the value of this picture at over $5 million. Do you know how much he paid for this picture? He paid $2 uh, for it. That's a nice investment, isn't it? Um, we love stories like that, don't we? Especially when they happen, if, if they would happen to us, right? We'd really love them. Uh, we love it, you know, when, when somebody discovers a diamond in the rough. You know, we, uh, there's something in us, in us that just loves the thrill of the hunt, especially when we unearth something valuable, especially that other people overlooked. Other people passed it over. Here's something to remember about hidden treasures. Just because someone isn't aware of something's value doesn't make it worthless. I'm going to say that one again. Just because someone isn't aware of something's value doesn't make it worthless. Hold on to that, okay? We're going to come back uh, to that. We're, we're continuing this series leading up to Christmas. It's called The Thrill of Hope. It's, it's uh, grounded in, in Scripture and guided by the lyrics of this classic Christmas song, O Holy Night. We just sang it a few uh, moments ago. And uh, here's what the words of the uh, song say. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining uh, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, there's where we get our series name, The Weary World Rejoices. And this great song reminds us that that first Christmas night was holy. Holy means set apart, sacred, because that night was different than any other night in the history of our world. But today, I want us to think for just a few moments about this line right here, the soul felt its worth. What do you think that means for your soul to feel its worth? 
You know, I think it's probably easier for us to look back at times in our life when our soul didn't feel its worth. And maybe times when we felt worthless or broken, times when we felt like we didn't have any value. I can remember a time uh, like that for me during college when my soul didn't feel its worth. I attended a, a college, a real small college in central Illinois, Lincoln Christian College, and I played on the uh, baseball team. Now, played might be a strong word, okay? I sat on the bench. We called it riding the pine. Finally, one day, the coach puts me in a game, and uh, somehow I made it to second base. I don't know how. I'm on second base, and I'm feeling really good. I'm just really proud of myself for this accomplishment. You know, I'm waving, waving to my friends, my teammates over there in the, in the dugout, and I'm not paying close enough attention to the game. Okay, and here's what, hap- here's what happened. The, the pitcher walks, uh, uh, the, the next batter, and I forgot first base was open. And I made a boneheaded mistake, and my brain tells my body to start walking to third base, and immediately I got tagged out, and the inning ended, and I just felt humiliated, embarrassed. I mean, I felt this big, and I looked over at my coach. He's always positive, my friend, right? I mean, he takes his hat off, and I mean, he throws it in the ground as hard as he can, this cloud of smoke or a cloud of dirt, and uh, my soul did not feel it's worth. My soul got benched for a very long, long time. It's easier, isn't it? To look back at times when our soul didn't feel its worth. Maybe maybe it was more serious circumstances uh, for you. Maybe you felt worthless or broken because a a relationship fell apart. Or maybe you experienced a disappointment at work. Or maybe there was some kind of financial failure in your life. Maybe maybe a sin pattern. Uh, Maybe an, an addiction just got the best of you again. You know, maybe it was just one time. Maybe you crossed a line one time. Maybe you crossed a sexual boundary, you know, one time in the, in the past, and it still haunts you. And the guilt and the shame just weighs you down. Or, or perhaps you began to feel a sense of worthlessness because somebody used you. You felt ignored or cast aside by family or friends or passed over for an opportunity that you so wanted to come your way. We've all had moments like that. Times when our soul didn't feel its worth. And I've certainly had moments like that in my life, maybe more than I want to admit. Moments when I had maybe a lack of, of discipline related to my eating habits or my, or my prayer habits. Or moments as a parent when I realized I have no idea how to raise teenagers. Or I can think of moments as a pastor where I didn't feel like I was living up to the expectations I had for myself or perhaps even expectations that I assume that you have for me. All of us have moments where our soul doesn't feel its worth. And I think in some ways Christmas has a way of just kind of magnifying those feelings. It's so, it's so easy for us, I think, at Christmas time to look around and, and feel like we're missing out because everybody else seems like they're, they're just so happy. Uh, if, if we're single... You know, so much, there's so much emphasis on romance and, and marriage. Even if you do have a family, sometimes we look at our, at our own family and we size it up a little bit and it's not what we dreamed that it would be. And our soul doesn't feel its worth. So our circumstances can leave us feeling like we're not worth much. But listen to this statement again. There's good news today. Just because someone isn't aware of something's value doesn't make it 
worthless. You know, in spite of those uh, items in the, in, the, in the garage sale that, that people ignored, they didn't lose value, did they? Their, their value remained. Their, their value actually increased. Well, today I want to talk about somebody who very likely didn't feel like she had much value. Chances are this young woman didn't feel like she was worth very much. So let's go to the very beginning of the uh, Christmas story back in Luke chapter 1. But before we dive in, let me catch you up on what's been happening here. God sent an angel uh, named Gabriel to a young woman named Mary who lived in a very small town called Nazareth. Mary had already promised herself. She had gotten engaged to Joseph. But this angel shows up and shares some crazy, unexpected, and unwelcome news in many ways. He tells Mary that she's pregnant. She's going to have a baby boy going to name him Jesus. Now, for some of us, you know, we've heard this story many times. It's very familiar to us, but we, uh, but we can miss the, the significance of what's happening here. Because for Mary, living in that ancient culture, her cultural worth was based in her virginity. And so to the community around her, the little value that she had was gone. They would cast her aside, consider her worthless. In Bible times, they viewed sexual purity as central to personal and family honor and value. And this could result in her family banishing her, shunning her. Scholar Daryl Bach writes, in ancient culture, uh, virginity was an honored state, a badge of self-control and moral faithfulness. Mary would appear to many to have conceived a child out of wedlock. Her explanation of a divine conception would be hard to swallow. And so Mary would experience finger pointing, questioning glances, whispers of accusation. Mary would have more than enough reasons uh, to feel worthless uh, when she found out uh, this, this news. Think about it. She was already poor, a young woman, and now she finds herself pregnant and unmarried. Back then, that placed her value just a little above the livestock. But uh, while the angel's message must have troubled Mary, the angel reassured her that, that this is good news. This is great news. He promises her that God would be with her and that God would bless her with an opportunity to play a huge role in God's plan to redeem the world. This baby growing inside of her would be the, the, the son of God whose birth would change uh, everything. And as that reality begins to sink in, uh, Mary doesn't respond by complaining or by, by freaking out. Uh, instead, she responds with a song of praise. Scholars refer to this as the Magnificat. Mary sang these words. She said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Do you know what I think is happening here? Do you know what changes her mindset, Mary's mindset from fear and terror to admiration and praise of, of God? I think this moment, in this very moment, Mary's soul begins to feel its worth. Maybe for the first time in her life, her soul begins to feel its worth. I mean, for most of her life, she probably felt small, insignificant, unremarkable. But in this moment, her soul felt its worth, and her heart responds and just explodes with praise and gratitude and worship of, of God. Let, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I got a $20 bill here, and uh, you know, if I asked you, okay, if you wanted a $20 bill, uh, what would you say? 
Yeah, 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 sure. You know, I'll take a $20 bill, right? But what if I did this? Crumpled it up. Would you want it? Or, um, you know, what if I did this? You know, stomped on it. And uh, would you want it? Now it's, it's dirty. It's uh, stomped on. But you would still want it, right? Because its value has not decreased. It has intrinsic value. A, a $20 bill is still worth $20. See, Mary's soul had every bit as much value before the angel appeared to her as it did after. Just because, remember, just because someone isn't aware of something's value doesn't make it worthless. Mary's soul was of great worth even during those seasons when she didn't have any circumstantial reasons to feel it. Mary's soul was of great worth, even on those days when she felt uh, crumpled up and stomped on. But now as she sings these words of praise to God, her soul feels its worth. Maybe she allows her soul for the first time to feel the worth that it had all along. So what helped Mary uh, feel her worth? What was it that really helped Mary feel her value? Well, first of all, God came near to Mary. He came near to Mary through the messenger. And God came near to Mary through this mind-blowing declaration that he was forming the Son of God within her as, as a baby. Can you even imagine what that was like for her? I'm sure she must have got asked a lot of, of questions. I mean, it's very exciting to, to uh, talk about and, and look forward to the birth of a, uh, of, a, of a baby. It generates a lot of, of conversation. I know when I'm in a conversation with someone who's expecting a child or a, a grandchild, typically I'll ask two questions. You probably ask the same two questions. First question I ask is, is when is the baby due? When is it due? And then the second question, do you know the gender of the baby? You know, do you think it's going to be a boy or a girl? Now, I know back then in, in, in Bible times, they didn't have uh, ultrasound. But I think they probably still ask the same question. You know, do you think it's going to be a boy or a girl? Sometimes mothers have intuition. Does it feel like a boy? Does it feel like a girl? Imagine what that was like for Mary when people asked her, do you think it's a boy, it's a boy or a girl? Mary would say, well, I'm positive that I'm having a boy. And his name is going to be Jesus, the Savior of the entire world. Can you imagine that? Man, God came as near to Mary as he possibly uh, could come. And something happens when an important person comes near to us, doesn't it? You ever been near uh, a famous person? Uh, I have uh, a couple times in my life. Um, I grew up I'll tell you about one. I grew up a, a, a big fan of uh, IndyCar racing, auto racing. And I know probably not very many of you follow IndyCar racing, but you've probably heard of the Indy 500, the Indianapolis 500. It's the largest auto race in the world. It's actually the largest sporting event in the uh, world. So one day, <clears throat> I'm at a museum, and I recognize a, a famous uh, race car driver uh, named Al Unser. Yeah, there he is. And uh, Al Unser won the Indianapolis 500, not once. He won the Indy 500 four times. Yeah, he holds the record. And uh, not only is he a great race car driver, he is a great guy. Super friendly. I mean, he, 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 he gave me about, about 20 minutes of his time. And we talked, and uh, we walked around this museum. Uh, he, he, he took me over to a display about racing tires, and he's telling me about the importance of racing tires. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, I cannot believe I'm having a conversation with Al Unser 
like I'm talking with a friend. I mean, that was a pretty special day. I'll never forget that day. Here's another example. Maybe some of you read this story a few weeks ago. The Packers played the Bears in Chicago. The night before the game, this family goes to downtown Chicago to look at the, walk around and look at the holiday decorations. And they're standing at a stoplight. Their 11-year-old boy, Peter, says to his mom, Mom, the man standing next to us looks like Aaron Rodgers. And the mom turns to him, to this guy, and says, are you? And uh, he says, yes, I am. And he reaches out his hand to Peter, and he says, hi, I'm Aaron. And uh, this family spent about 20 minutes walking around uh, downtown Chicago with Aaron Rodgers, looking at the holiday decorations before his dinner reservation. Peter's mom shared this picture on Facebook because it made them feel so special. And she couldn't believe the friendliness of Aaron Rodgers. She said, Aaron asked us more questions then we asked him, and uh, Aaron asked Peter several questions about sports. Peter is never going to forget that moment. Uh, Peter even apologized to Aaron for being a Chicago Bear fan. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Aaron told him, you know what Aaron said? He said, no need. You live in Chicago, and you should be a Bears fan. But something happens when important people come to us, doesn't it? Now multiply that times a billion And that's how Mary felt. God came near and lived inside of her. Don't miss this. Christmas means God has come near to us. Emmanuel means God with us. God came to us in the midst of our loneliness, our everydayness, our brokenness, so that that our souls could feel their worth. And when you make a decision to follow Jesus, his spirit comes to life inside of you. God comes near to you every moment of every day. It's your own Mary miracle. Jesus is with you. May your soul feel its worth. But something else happens to to help Mary feel her worth. God commissions her. God gives Mary a mission, a clear purpose. God entrusts Mary with with bringing Jesus into the world. It gives her the opportunity to play a huge role in this story that would change the course of all of history. Now, Now think about that for just a moment. Because God could have done this any way that he wanted to. But he chose to bring Jesus into the world through a young woman. Because God values women. God empowers women. Angel Gabriel says to Mary, you'll conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. God unveils the the whole plan. He tells Mary that Jesus is gonna grow up. He's gonna start a new movement. He's gonna start a new kingdom to, to bring the world back to himself. God tells Mary about all of his intentions. And so Mary hears this explanation and then asks a very understandable question. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Mary remembers the reality of her circumstances. She's a poor young woman, unmarried, barely noticed by anybody up to this point in her life. She has no track record of having done anything significant. But I want you to notice how God lifts Mary out of, out of the small, her small and narrow view of her story. And he commissions her to, to join his bigger story to reach and save and restore the world. And just when Mary starts nodding her head in disbelief, how can this be? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So God gives her this mission that is way bigger than herself. And Mary must have felt a bit overwhelmed. 
But that's why the angel tells her about the Holy Spirit, that the the power of the Holy Spirit will help you accomplish your mission. God doesn't send her away empty-handed, but with the strength of the Holy Spirit. And Mary feels her worth as God commissions her. And she begins to realize that she has potential value. See, all of us have intrinsic value, no matter your circumstances, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. You have value. You have intrinsic value because God, God made you. And, and God, God loves you. A $20 bill is, is, is always worth $20. But we also have potential value because just like Mary, God commissions every one of us to play an important role in his mission to change the world. And when we realize and respond to our potential value, it awakens our soul. Our soul uh, comes a- alive with purpose and our soul feels its worth in a whole new way. Don't miss this. God wants to use your life in a way that's much bigger than yourself. And God always provides the power to fulfill the vision that he has for your life. Power to sustain you when doubt overwhelms. When criticism shouts loud and fear paralyzes. Our souls feel their worth when we allow God to lift us out of the ordinary and into his extraordinary purposes. So let me ask you, how how would it change your outlook if you knew that God wanted to work through your life in a great way, would it awaken you? Would you begin to feel your worth? I mean, every one of us longs for our lives to count, to have purpose. We want to give ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. So never lose sight of the fact that when we start following Jesus, he empowers us by his spirit to carry out his mission in this world. doesn't mean that we've got to, you know, quit our jobs and move halfway around the world, but it does mean that we carry out the Jesus mission every single day by blessing other people. Maybe you remember the blessed practices. I've talked about these before, but it's been a while, so let me remind you. It's a real simple way to remember how you can live your mission every day uh, when you wake up. The B stands for begin with prayer. This is real simple. Anybody can do this. You pray for the people and places that you come across every day. Now, you don't have to you know, walk up to somebody and put your arm around them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. You don't necessarily need to let them even know that you're praying uh, for, for them. Somebody challenged me that there are people in your life, I never thought about this, people in your life, in my life, that, that we come across every day, and they have, had, they have never had anybody pray for them, ever. And you can be the first. The L stands for listen. And so many people, Desperately want somebody to listen to their, to their hopes, listen to their fears, listen to their dreams. The E, this is my favorite one. This stands for eat. Simply share meals with, with people. And uh, how easy is that to do this time of the year? I mean, it's, food's everywhere. It's hard, it's hard not to eat. But sharing a meal with someone can take that relationship from an acquaintance to a friendship faster than just about anything else. You invite them into your life by sharing a meal with them. And then the first S stands for serve. You look for tangible ways to help other people. And then the last S stands for story. Eventually, you're gonna have the opportunity to tell the story of how you started to follow Jesus and the way that it has changed your life. And uh, you know that's a simple way to, uh, to, to show how it looks, to carry out our mission. This is what Christmas means. God came near and commissioned us to bless other people. And you know what? When we do that, we not only help other people to feel value, we can't help but to feel value and worth ourselves. Because of this holy night, God broke through and declared 
that every person has value. The message of Jesus is for everyone. But you know what? I wonder if, if you really embrace it right now. I wonder if your soul right now really feels its worth. If, if, if your soul really feels its full worth. You know, I know in a room this size, there's probably some of us going, yeah, I might have had worth when I was born, but I've, I kind of made a mess of things in my life. I've done some things you don't even know, things that you don't even know about that have, that have taken away my, my worth. What, what, what is it? What do, you, what do you rehearse in your mind? What is it that you rehearse over and over and over to convince yourself that you're worthless? In what area of your life does God need to break, break through into your life, into your story, so that your soul feels its, its, its worth? Here's the good news. No matter what you're hiding, no matter what you're, you've done, no matter what you're ashamed of, you have worth because on that holy night, God declared that you have incredible value. Think about it. Think about this. You're worth Jesus to God. God traded Jesus for you. You're worth Jesus to him. That's how God proved your worth. That's how our souls feel their worth. And that's why we take a few minutes every weekend to remember the sacrifice that, that Jesus made on the cross by sharing communion. The bread represents his body. The, the juice represents his, his blood. But I want us to share communion a little bit different today. We're going to pass the trays during this next song, and our communion is open to anybody who says yes to, to Jesus. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold the cups during this song, and then afterward, I'm going to come back up. I'll come up after the song, and we'll, we'll share the communion together. I asked Charity and uh, the team to do this song during communion for us. It's a classic song that was actually written back in the 1800s, but it's still a popular song. In fact, this song has more plays on YouTube than all of Taylor Swift's songs combined. Uh, many of you probably will recognize it, but what you may not know is that the uh, woman who uh, wrote the, uh, this song, her name was Frances uh, Crosby, she, go, she went by the name Fanny Crosby, she actually lived a very difficult life. She lived through some very difficult circumstances. Uh, her father died uh, when she was uh, one, and so she was raised by a single mother. And when she was six months six months old, she, she contracted some kind of uh, illness that caused uh, inflammation uh, around her eyes that left her completely blind, completely blind in both eyes. And you, you might think that she didn't feel much worth, but she found Jesus, and uh, her soul felt its worth. And she went to the uh, New York School for the Blind, and she learned to play every major instrument. And then she uh, signed a contract with a publishing company. And she wrote, Fanny Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns. And uh, Charity is going to lead us in, in one of her most popular hymns that has helped many people feel their worth. And uh, if you want to sing along with uh, Charity and the team, that's fine. If you want to just sit back and listen, uh, that's fine too. But uh, would you allow this song and the meaning of communion to just wash over you these next few minutes? and to help you uh, feel your worth. And so uh, hold the cups, and then after the song, I'll come up, and we'll take it together. <laughs> 